story is told of an Englishman. In the late 1800s, he heard that gold had been found in the state of California. He traveled across the ocean and across the United States to come to the land of California. And after several months of finding nothing, he finally struck gold. And he dug and he dug and he found his riches. And when his time there was completed, he grabbed up his wealth in a bag, a bag of gold, and he started for home. And on the way, he came to the city of New Orleans. And he came into the city and he found a large crowd assembled. He had no idea exactly what was going on. And as he began to investigate and look into what was happening, what he saw was a black man was on the trading block, the auction block. And as he approached, he heard, going once, going twice, sold. And next onto the auction block was a young black girl, a beautiful young girl. And he heard as men started bidding on this young, beautiful girl. And he heard in between bids, men making vile jokes about what they were going to do with this young girl. And the bidding ended up between two men. And in between their bids, they were making jokes about what they planned to do. And the bidding kept getting higher, one against the other. And finally, one man won out, and the other quit bidding. And the auctioneer said, going once, going twice. And the Englishman yelled, stop. And he bid twice as much as the highest bid. More than any healthy black man would go for. He bid twice as much. So much that the auctioneer thought it was a joke. And he started laughing. And the crowd started laughing about how much the man had bid. And finally, the auctioneer, seeing that he really wasn't joking, asked the man to come forward and show that he could actually pay that much. And so the man took the gold from his bag and he began to dump some out on the table. And he dumped enough out to pay the sum that he had bid. And as he reached up to help the young girl off of the block, she spit in his face. And she yelled as loud as she could, I hate you! Calmly, the Englishman wiped the spit from his face, didn't say a word, reached out and held her hand, and they walked away from the scene. Up and down streets they walked in the city of New Orleans, looking for something the young girl knew not what. And they finally came to a storefront, and she didn't know what this storefront was, but he left her standing outside peering in as he went in. And he went in, and and she could see that he was arguing with a man inside the store. And she didn't know what was going on, but she could hear that they were arguing. And finally, she watched as this man who had paid for her took the remaining contents of his bag of gold and dumped it out on the table. And a few minutes later, he came walking out of the store with papers in his hand. And he said to the girl, You're free. She said, I hate you. Why would you mock me? And he calmly opened the papers. And he said, you're free. She grabbed the papers 
And she fell to her knees. And through weeping tears, she said, You bought me to set me free? You bought me to set me free? And she just keep re- kept repeating, You bought me to set me free? And she said, as she clutched the miner's dirty boots, All I want to do now is serve you. You bought me to set me free. Brethren and friends, a perfect illustration? No, it's not. Because there isn't a perfect illustration. There's only the cross. And what the cross illustrates for us is the horrific nature of sin. And therefore, the price that had to be paid. And this morning, what we're talking about in this triumphant term of redemption is just that, the price that was required for sin. And so as we go about defining what it is we're talking about, that's what we're talking about, the price that was required for sin. That's why Jesus had to go to the cross And what He did was buy us back. We were sold under sin, and Jesus bought us back with His blood. He redeemed us. He released us. He delivered us. He paid the price for my sin. He paid the price for my sin. We need to get a grip on this. I understand the difficulty of wrapping our minds around the exact events of the cross at times. And I understand that this is so deep and heavy that sometimes it is difficult to really get a handle on. But brethren, we've got to work on that because this is the price that was required for my salvation and yours. Jesus paid the price. He paid the ransom. He paid what was owed for our salvation. That's what we're talking about. So what is redemption connected to? This helps us get it. It helps us understand it. We dig in and we look at at this word and what it's connected to. And so you turn in your New Testament over to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 7. And what you'll find here in Ephesians 1 and 7 is that we're picking up right in the middle of a sentence. And here Paul says to these Christians, "...in Him we have redemption through His blood." In Him we have redemption through His blood. What does that give me? That gives me the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of His grace. And so by the grace of God, I understand that through Christ I can be saved. I have redemption and it is tied here to the forgiveness of my sin. I turn over a few pages more in my New Testament and I come to Colossians chapter 1. And I understand again that Paul is writing this letter to Christians, members of the Lord's church. And I see in these verses that He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. And so what do we find the connection made? The connection here is tied to the blood of Jesus and the forgiveness of our sin. That's what redemption is tied to the forgiveness of our sin through the blood of Jesus. 
The writer of Hebrews in chapter 10 and verse 4 reminds us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no forgiveness if blood is not shed. But it is the blood of Jesus that ultimately provides us with redemption. He paid the price for our sin. And so redemption is connected ultimately to the blood of Jesus. Now, as we dig a little further, we are reminded that it is the blood of Jesus that is able to forgive all sins of all men. This talks about the power that is in the blood. Don't you love to sing about the power in the blood? Brethren, what we're talking about is the price that was paid here for all time for all men. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 9. And let's read together what the writer of Hebrews will say here, beginning in verse 11. For the writer of Hebrews says, But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption." For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Verse 15 says, And for this reason He is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption. There's our word of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. One has said, as Jesus hung on the cross, and the beams pointed in opposite directions, so did the blood of Jesus flow. It flowed all the way back in one direction to the Garden of Eden. And when sin first entered the world, and all of those who lived under the law of the Old Testament, the patriarchal and Old Testament, those who are faithful to God, ultimately the blood of Jesus flowed backward and forgave all of that sin. And in the opposite direction, the blood of Jesus flows all the way to eternity. To as many as who will live and obey Him, His blood will forgive. He paid the ransom. He paid the price for our salvation. He allows all sin to be forgiven of all men, no matter now what race, what rank, what class, what gender, all have opportunity now to be saved. The blood of Jesus paid the price. Revelation 5 and verse 9, He has redeemed all men unto Himself. All have opportunity now to be saved, not just a few. You remember the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28? You may not off the top of your, your head recall what that verse is as it is read, as it is written there, Matthew 20 and verse 28. But yet, once you hear the words, it will dawn on you exactly what it says. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 20 and verse number 28 that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and do what? Give His life a ransom for many. I have come to pay the price. I have come to offer salvation to all men. And those who will meet that blood in the cleansing waters of baptism can have their sins washed away, forgiven, because He paid the price. You can be redeemed. 
The ransom has been paid. What a word is redeemed. What a word is redemption. What a thought is that Jesus paid the price for my sin. I was doomed to eternity in hell. Jesus paid the price for my salvation. And we're talking about buying something. We're talking about a transaction being offered here. Exactly what did Jesus buy? Exactly what did He purchase? I think that's a good question for us to ask and a good question to be reminded, though I know that you know the answer. What did Jesus buy? He bought my salvation. That's what He purchased. Your salvation, a way for you to avoid hell and go to heaven. That's what He bought. He bought that opportunity for you and me to be saved. Isn't that what we read in Ephesians 1 and verse 7? Isn't that what we read in Colossians 1 verses 13 and 14? He bought our forgiveness. He allows us to be saved. I don't know how much time you spend thinking about the cross. I don't know if once a week is all you you think about the cross as we have just moments ago. But brethren... If that's the only thought you ever give to the cross, you're sadly missing out. It's got to be at the front of our minds of what exactly Jesus offers us, of what this life is all about, that I have hope beyond this life to be with God only because of what Jesus did at the cross. He bought me. He paid the ransom. He purchased my salvation. In doing that, he purchased his church. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. You ever thought about that connection between Matthew 20 and verse 28? He he came to provide a ransom for many. And then see the connection between Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 where the apostle Paul is having that conversation with elders of the church from the city of Ephesus. And he says there, he talks about the fact that Jesus purchased the church with his own blood. And so I've come to provide a ransom for many. I've come to purchase the church. Happens to be where the saved are, isn't it? Acts 2 and verse 47. And so in purchasing salvation, making salvation available, he purchased the church. That's where the called out are found. That's where his people are. And so we put it just a different way, and we say the same thing. What did he buy? He bought Christians. Those who will be his. Those are the ones he bought. Now, he offers salvation to everybody, but to those who are called, to those who are Christians, will be in his church. They are the saved. And so I go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I'm reminded of what Paul will write to Christians here. And he will remind us of something very important for us to be reminded of. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, oh, how I wish I would think about this more. In verse 18, Paul says to these Christians, you need to flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And he makes the point one more time over in chapter 7. 
and verse number 23, you were bought at a price. Do not be slaves of men. You were bought at a price. Have you stopped to consider the price that was paid for your salvation? And don't you think that if we thought about that just a little bit more, that we would flee? That we would get as far as we could from sin? That we would not dabble and get as close as we can to the line, but we would stay as far away from that as we could? Wouldn't it be good if we thought more about the price that was paid for our salvation and the fact that what God has loaned me in this body is simply that, a loan, and within this body I have a soul that is going to live for eternity, and because of Jesus, it can be in heaven. Stay as far away as possible. You see, Jesus bought salvation. He purchased salvation. He gives us the opportunity to be saved. Without Him, we're doomed. But He paid the ransom. He paid the price that was due. He purchased us. He bought us back when we sold ourselves to sin. The saved are part of His church. The Bible calls them Christians. These are the ones that have been purchased or taken advantage anyway of the price that was paid. Now, I can't do it justice and I wish I could and I'm sorry that I can't. I don't have the perfect words. I wish I did. But I want to know this. If I really stop and I think about the price that was paid for my salvation, I'm only asking, what do you do with that information? If you stop to think about the price that was paid and and you think about the scourging, and I appreciate Brother Britz and and the prayer that he prayed, and and we go back and we take our minds back to to Golgotha, we take our minds back to Jerusalem and we see the scene and we we see our Lord being scourged and we we see Him being beaten and spit upon and slapped in the face and we see the mocking that is taking place and then you, you hear the sound of nails literally being driven through flesh as He is put upon the cross, and you see the scene as the cross is put into the ground. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? What's my response? What's my response to that? You see, when you tell a story, about a young girl sold into slavery. You can see the response of her, right? You can see a normal response falling to the the feet of one who set her free. And you can understand why she would say such a thing. You bought me to set me free? All I want to do is serve you. But is that your response to Jesus? Is that your response to Jesus? Because too many only spit in His face. What's your response? The Bible says, I should respond by glorying God. You see it in your copy of God's Word, right? You see it there in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20. 
Paul says, you've been bought at a price. Therefore, therefore what? Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Glorify God. Strive in everything you do to bring Him glory. Honor. Praise. That has to be the response, doesn't it? Is it? Is it? Is that how you respond to the price that was paid for your salvation? Do you strive in everything to simply bring glory to God? You see, if we stop and think about it, we won't dabble. We won't get close. We'll try to avoid sin. We won't be perfect. God understands it, but we will strive with all of our being to walk in the light as He is in the light. We will strive with everything we have to be faithful and obedient in response to what God has done for us. That should be the reaction. I'll stay as far away from sin as I can, and I will strive to simply be faithful and bring glory to God. Put it a different way, we go back to where we began with where Brother Eddie read for us several moments ago. And this is where we conclude this morning in 1 Peter chapter 1. Looking again at what was read for us from verses 17 to 19, just thinking about it as it is written, the Bible says, And if you call on the Father, the Father, right? Our Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, Conduct yourselves here throughout the time of your stay here in what? In fear. In awe of who God is. In awe of the price that He has paid because you've been redeemed not with things that are going to burn up, not with things that are ultimately going to perish, silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's what bought your salvation. That's what gives you the hope of going to heaven. And ultimately, that is how God has demonstrated His love for you. How will you respond? What will you do with that? We must live in awe of who God is. In that same context, you recall in 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter there has said that we need to strive to be holy as God is holy. We need to be separate and striving for purity as God is. And this, again, has to motivate us as we go through this life. My friend, Jesus paid the price for you to be saved. How will you respond? What will you do? Have you responded? Have you come to Him? Have you obeyed Him in faith, repentance, and baptism, meeting that precious blood to have your sins washed away? What will you do with the blood of Jesus? Will you fall at His feet? Will you say to Him, Lord, all I want to do is serve You. You have made me free. Will you fall at His feet today? Will you in submission come to Him and take advantage of the blood that He spilled for you. Will you come, understanding that He has paid the price? Will you be saved? My friend, why would you delay? As a Christian today, perhaps you've been dabbling. Perhaps you've not thought about the price, ultimately, that was paid for you. And you have wandered away. Why not come back? Won't you today 
If you're amiss and you need to come back to the Lord, then please take advantage of this opportunity. Your brothers and sisters, all we want to do is for, to help you. And if we can help you today, praying for you and anything, if you have a need, won't you come? Please, while together we stand and sing.